The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer. We've enjoyed bringing this show since 2005. Your host is Mari Frank, a local attorney since 1985. She's a certified information privacy professional and the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, Protecting Yourself with a Personal Privacy Audit, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. Mari's testified many times on privacy issues in Congress and the California Legislature. She served as a privacy expert for numerous court cases nationwide and at a White House press conference featured on C-SPAN. You may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, The O'Reilly Factor, and many more shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Mari, what's our show about this morning? Well, Lloyd, today our show is about consumers and helping consumers both with consumer privacy and so many other ways. And I am just thrilled that we have a wonderful guest coming to us from Washington, D.C. We have Linda Sherry, who's the Director of National Priorities at Consumer Action in Washington, D.C. And we happen to sit on a task force uh, with the Consumer Federation of America to help consumers with identity theft issues. So I thought she is the person perfect person to have on our show to help all of our consumers know a little bit more about what they do, all the great work that they do, and um, what's really important. So let me tell you first a little bit about our great guest. Uh, Linda Sherry is a nationally recognized consumer advocate and an expert on consumer and privacy rights. And she is the director of of National Priorities for Consumer Action in D.C. She's responsible for the organization's national advocacy work and for Consumer Action's free multilingual educational publications, which you'll see on their website and other website content. She joined Consumer Action in 1994 from a background as a weekly newspaper reporter, and she established Consumer Action's D.C. office back in 2004. And before she went to Consumer Action, Sherry was managing editor of Asian Week in San Francisco. She was a California girl. From 1991 to 1994, and then previously she worked at the Almanac Newspapers in Menlo Park, California, the New York Times Long Island section, and the East Hampton Star in East Hampton, New York. And she was founding editor of the Sag Harbor Herald, a weekly newspaper in Long Island, New York. And I just, uh, so she went from coast to coast doing this, and, uh, and we're just thrilled to have you, Linda. 
Thank you, Mari. Glad to be here. Well, you know, I have to laugh because I kind of was following you. I lived, um, well, I was from Chicago, but I lived in Long Island in Long Beach. And I used to, before I became a lawyer, I was teaching in the five towns in Ah. Long Island. So I know your area. And then then I came out to California. So we've been kind of crossing paths across the nation together here. That's funny. We're we're (laughs) flying over the middle of America together. Right, right. So, Linda, we're so thrilled to have you join us. Tell us a little bit more about Consumer Action and what you all do. Sure. Consumer Action is a nonprofit, a 501c3. And uh, as a nonprofit organization, uh, we advocate for consumers in the media and before lawmakers. And our purpose is to advance consumer rights and to protect um, it, to promote industry-wide change for consumers. Uh, we have a strong 45-year history that I'm glad to say is unmarked by scandal or dissension. Thank God. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, some of our services are a consumer um, advice hotline uh, in three languages. We have English, Spanish, and Chinese. And we provide consumer education materials in many languages. As you mentioned, we do annual surveys of different consumer services. um, And we work on a host of issues, including privacy. Yeah. So what are some of the real hot issues that you all are working on? I know privacy is big. It's big in the newspaper. It's big everywhere. So that is, you know, our focus. But you do a lot of other things, too. What are some of the other hot issues that you're working on? Well, in general, we work on what we like to call pocketbook issues, and these are uh, financial services issues usually that affect consumers, and these include credit, banking, insurance, um, housing, um, such as mortgages, and um, we do do a little bit of telecommunications work, too, which overlaps with our privacy work. For instance, right now um, in D.C., uh, there is a, they've, um, they're making some changes to uh, the way broadband is classified at the Federal Communications Commission. And in doing so, they, we, it turns out that there are no real true privacy rights for broadband users. Oh. And at this point, a lot of us in a coalition that I work with are approaching the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, to make sure that certain rights, uh, privacy rights, and uh, are put into law at this point in time to protect consumers. Well, that's interesting because I think the FCC has of late be- had to deal more in privacy, which was really not their purview for a long time. So it's, it's, it's interesting that they have to kind of catch up and you have to, you and your coalition have to kind of educate them as to what those privacy issues are, I would imagine. It is true. I mean, the FCC has uh, taken the lead on telephone records privacy. Right. And uh, many of your, you and your listeners may remember that uh, we had issues with what was called pretexting um, many years, several years ago, starting where people would call in uh, people who wanted to do other people harm or wanted to invade their privacy would call in and pretend that they were getting the records for someone's phone and thereby getting a lot of personal information on that person. And of course, that is um, the rules around uh, telephone uh, records and the privacy of telephone records is at the FCC. Um, And we're trying to um, get them to pass something very similar for the users of uh, Internet service providers, so people who um, subscribe to broadband Internet services um, to make sure that they also have, uh, you know, the rights of privacy protection when they use these services. 
Right. I think a lot of people aren't even aware of these privacy issues with regard to broadband. I don't. I don't I think many are not. I think many people have actually come across the behavioral marketing issues that are, um, you know, come out with the Internet. Um, some people have noticed, for instance, that um, they may be looking at a suitcase on one site and suddenly they're at another site and there's that same suitcase staring them in the face, you know, over on the sidebar. Right. So I think people are starting to understand that they are tracked on the Internet. Um, but as to their actual, you know, personal information as a subscriber to a service, um, that really has to be buttoned down because otherwise there could be some real harms done. Right. So in terms of, let's talk a little bit about some of those harms that I think people are still unclear. I mean, is it like their history that they would have, uh, you know, the the, the the history of where they're, yeah. they're visiting? What, what are some of the issues that I think would make it more clear for my audience? Well, I think in, in terms of privacy rights, one of the most important privacy rights to people is the right to um, be with others of like mind and not necessarily be tracked in your, in your political leanings and your dealings and your uh, day-to-day activities that you do. And, um, you know, knowing where someone called or, or who they talked to uh, on their phone or who they communicated with over email or in any uh, Internet-type setting – um, that really does kind of raise people's hackles, and they're like, oh, so they could know that I was doing X, Y, Z. And a lot of people, of course, have many things that they wish to keep private about their lives, including some, some of their health affairs, uh, who they associate with, uh, why, where they're going. Uh, they may even want to keep that from family members or whatever. Um, then there are people who could be stalked by uh, malicious people, mm-hmm. um, and they need to keep their um, locations private. Right. So there are many harms that can happen in this situation. Um, they can even extend to um, the fact that many of the services we get, such as insurance or um, other types of um, services that we might apply for, uh, jobs, for instance, um, it's, it's, you know, it's not legal, per se, to track people in this way. But allowing them access to your telecommunications uh, records and your Internet records would give them a lot of fodder for, um, you know, malicious treatment if they wanted to or for discrimination in some cases. Right. And that stuff can be compiled into a profile and sold then, right? Yes, it can. And And it can be re-engineered, as you know. Right. And can be scarily, you know, on the mark. Right, right. And they could even be wrong. So let's say I'm searching on the Internet about something about some dreaded disease, but it isn't really for me. Let's say I'm doing it for a family member. And then I incorrectly get, um, you know, put into that peg. And then maybe, God forbid, my insurance company says, wait a minute, you didn't tell us about this pre-existing condition or something like that. So, again, I think that's the scary part because right now, I mean, this is something that I'm sure you deal with all the time that drives me crazy when, when, you know, my my victims of identity theft, for example, call me, is that there's a whole profile about them that's not transparent. They don't know where it is. They don't know how to get a hold of it. They don't even know how to fix it. And I'm not talking about fixing it with a credit bureau. I'm talking about fixing it with these background check agencies, (laughs) right? Because fixing it with a credit bureau is, is a hassle, but it's doable. 
you know, but finding out about all these background checks, I sure wish you guys would do something about having that whoever has access to our complete profiles is that we as consumers get to see those complete profiles. And it's not easy to do. No, in fact, that has been the focus of some of our work here in D.C. is to uh, have regulations passed that would uh, limit data, uh, some of the activities of data brokers. Now, data brokers are uh, these companies that compile all this information from different sources and put it together both with online and offline sources. Um, one of the, the key sorts of asks that we have about data brokers, and there are, there are champions in Congress who actually get this, and there have been bills for several past Congresses to um, propose to regulate data brokers, but none of them have gone through. You know, I, I testified for Bill uh, Nelson from Florida. There he you go. In, yeah, he introduced a great bill, and he contacted me. And I went to Congress, and I testified. I supported that bill. I don't know if you remember it. It was, I don't yeah. know, about six years I, ago or something. Sure. It was a yeah. great bill. It was it was trying to take off on some of the rights that we have, um, like for credit reporting agencies. It was similar. Exactly, to give access to right. Uh, wrong information and and dispute inaccurate information, that kind of thing. Right, and Very, it never went yeah. anywhere. I, and I yeah. think it's because... and. I don't know. Uh, from my perspective, what I think it was, it was that they these companies like Axiom and, you know, used to be Choice Point and then LexisNexis and then whoever, all these big companies. Push back. Yeah, yeah uh, that they really push hard and, you know, support these different senators to vote against this kind of stuff. I think so, too. And you know, some of the, the legislation has actually not been that, you know, um, crazy, wild, uh, as far as putting um, putting new responsibilities on these companies. I mean, most of it, as you say, is just allowing consumers to review what's in there and to correct it if necessary. And that's a very important piece of this, I think. Yeah. And if Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion can do it, why can't Axiom do it? Right. Exactly. I mean, I just didn't, um, you know, I'm not a, a D.C. insider, but I have testified many mm-hmm. times in Congress and I just I don't really get it. I know you have to do that all the time. So you get yeah. you get it's it a, a lot better than I do. I'm going like this makes yeah. sense, guys. And then, you know, yeah. that. <laughs> but you're a very well-known advocate, Mari. So don't worry about it. People definitely <laughs> know your name and uh, quake in their boots when you're yeah, on but they don't, over. But so. they don't do anything about it. <laughs> They make Listen, quite nobody <laughs> does anything about anything anymore in Washington. It's like it's it's a big one big stalemate. It's quite quite really distressing to tell you the truth. I um, know. How do you keep up? I mean, gosh, oh, it, it right is. This is, a, this is a very very uh, difficult situation for any advocate on either side of the realm, if you ask me. But. Um, one of the things we do at Consumer Action is we have a lot of educational publications. And right. one of our more popular ones is um, the about specialty credit reports, which goes into a lot of this stuff that you... Um, you know, that you've mentioned. Um, and these are reports that aren't just your big three credit reporting bureaus. These are other uh, types of agencies, companies um, that might collect um, information about consumers and which um, you do have the right to ask for, um, you know, to see what do you have on me uh, every so often. They, there are many specialty credit uh, companies collecting data on consumers who are subject 
to the Fair Credit Reporting Act and thereby give consumers the right to check it once in a while, once every year, I think it is. In most yeah, cases. it's like the Medical Information Bureau, that yeah. M- MIB, yeah, that you can do that. But, and, and, and you know, the check reporting agencies, the different exactly. check, you know, check, ch- check mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The challenge, again, is, you know, for uh, when we think of ordinary consumers who are your constituents, like, like you and me, I mean, it takes a lot of time to write to the, you know, it isn't, a lot of them won't even let you do it online. You have to oh, actually it, write them. True, true. It's, it's quite ridiculous. As a matter of fact, we did do an issue of our newsletter uh, a while ago that attempted to explain how you could get this information, and we all went and got the information. And it was really, at one point, I was just wanted to throw up my hands because I got a letter from LexisNexis. I had ordered what's called a comprehensive report, right. and they were like, we are, not, we are under no um, you know, legal obligation to correct in, incorrect information. And I'm like to the guy, what, why would you want to, you know, uh, disseminate incorrect information. Right. You know, and he's like, I don't know. We get it from public records. It's incorrect there. Yeah, so, so. then they say, go back to the public records. and <laughs> Yeah, sure. I mean, I have helped a lot of victims of criminal identity theft. You can yeah. imagine what a challenge that is to try and find things. I mean, I've done, you know, some of the stuff came from these records that were collected by TSA and stuff. I mean, this is not transparent at no. all. And you can't fix it. And this is your whole life. Life. So true. It's it's so true. just amazing. Yeah, but that's good that they that you know. Let's give your website again as we're talking about this, so people can write it down, or if they're driving, yeah. it's pretty easy to remember. Consumer action dot org. That's it. Yeah, because those kinds of uh, fact sheets and help are wonderful. There are a lot of those kinds of things, and of course, everything we do is free. Um, so people can just access it when they need to. And uh, I like to think that it's there for people when they come to, a, you know, what I call a teachable moment. They've had some uh, distressing thing happen to them or uh, they need the information at that moment. They can find it there. So maybe they don't want to go in there and read it all and have it in their head, you know, 24-7. But maybe when you actually have a problem, you can seek out some help there. Yes. I think your website and Consumer Federation of America, Privacy Rights Clearinghouse, and the Federal Trade Commission, FTC.gov. I mean, you guys, I mean, those are the ones I send everybody to. (laughs) Excellent. And we also make an effort on our website to collect those resources for other people. So it's sort of a one-stop shop. We have a section called Consumer Resources Links where people can go and see under category, like, for instance, under privacy, what some of the resources we recommend that they look at are um, those kinds of things. So um, I think that we, you know, we make an effort also to post news every day on, um, in our key areas that we work on, including privacy. And uh, our staff actually does that. It's not some sort of, you know, um, feed uh, right. We go and find the stories and ch- and choose them and post them. And people can sign up for a, a free newsletter, right? Can they do That's that? True, they can. We have we actually have three newsletters. Um, we're we're very proud recently um, of a new newsletter we're doing called Scamgram. Oh. And it, it has really uh, people like it. We've I've heard from more people, individuals in the past three, four months about Scamgram than I've heard of people in about three years, I've, uh, honestly. And um, this comes out on the 15th. It's going to come out in a couple days. And we also post it on our website, so it can be found there if you don't want to have it uh, via email. Yeah. No, that's wonderful. I mean, I love getting those kinds of 
newsletters because I can quickly skim through it and see, you yeah. know, what I want to read instead of having to go to the website all the time. Of course, if I want to go deep, I can go to that website, but I love right. getting the newsletters. And people will say, well, gee, that's, you know, it's so much newsletters in your mailbox, but you can choose, <laughs> you know, what you, you want to do. <laughs> yeah, you can hit delete and then well, just, that's what I do. Because if there's nothing in that newsletter I want to read, I delete it, but then maybe the next month I really love it, you know? Yeah. I think it's important to, to just, you know, get what you can and then get rid of it if you don't want it. But I understand people need to keep their right. inboxes neat. You know, what else I, I wonder about, what I really um, find helpful is, you know, I as one person, you know, could call Diane Feinstein's office or call, you know, different uh, senators' offices. But it doesn't, I don't think it's, it has the same impact because they're getting bombarded by these big companies that have a lot of money. So what about you guys? I mean, does your coalition work together to help prepare letters that all I have to do is push a button and I agree and I'm, you know, and then they, you know, like millions of, of, of of us consumers are, you know, bombarding (laughs) our senators and say, we want you to pass this law to protect our broadband and communications or something. It, you know, Mari, it's a great it's a great point, and um, we, we do do that, and we have what on our website what's called the Take Action Center, and in fact, recently because people said they couldn't find it, I put a big red button up there that says Take Action, so people can just push on that, and um, they will find certain kinds of um, uh, letters that are pre-written by us. But I want to make the point that nothing is un- everything can be edited by the individual. We're not putting right. words in people's mouths. Right. Um, and in fact, we get sometimes very conservative people going on and totally, even though we're progr- we're more of a progressive organization, honestly, uh, I see some letters going through sometimes that, uh, are, are really more on the conservative side of things. But, well, you know, uh, privacy is not, uh, you no, know, it's, it, it, it's, it's very much, yeah, it's yeah. nonpartisan that, I mean, you look at people from all the different um, political parties, and you know, no one wants to be feeling like their whole inv- their privacy be- is being invaded. No. That's the beauty of um, the privacy issues. Is I think you can That's get, true. you know, non. Uh, it's nonpartisan. Yes, and I agree with that. And another issue that we've worked on a lot is credit, and that that tends to be nonpartisan as well. You can pretty much get everyone to agree on all sides, except, of course, the data brokers, but that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's wonderful. You guys do education and advocacy because there are some, you know, um, privacy rights places that you know don't can't really do the kind of advocacy you do they just do the education so how do these activities different and how do you guys get away with that being a nonprofit? well it's a great question again uh good questions um one thing about advocacy is um with nonprofit organizations is you have to limit the amount of advocacy that you do you are you can't necessarily for instance we uh, are not permitted under our nonprofit charter to go out and um, say vote for this candidate or vote for that candidate. Right. Uh, so that's one way we can't do. What we can do is we can lobby about issues. We just right. have to report our time on those issues. So that is really something that uh, we do a lot of. And as as far as the difference between advocacy and education, I think it's pretty interesting because advocacy. Uh, av- Let's just start with education. I mean, that's really to help individuals um, uh, 
be empowered, you know, right? In, to be empowered, exactly. And advocacy is more for the better of the entire population of individuals. Right. So I think it's a sort of a two-pronged thing. Education, um, as I said, the fact sheets and the information are there when people need them to improve their lives. And um, I often tell people, I improve my finances considerably since I've worked at um, Consumer Action, and I feel I'm in a very good position for retirement because of it. And I think it all has to do with this content and this information that I'm continually um, reviewing, writing, and, and internalizing. Right. Uh, brings it to a ad- conscious level, right? It brings it to a right, conscious exactly, level. Exactly. Now, with advocacy, um, this, the consumer movement has you know, evolved over time a little bit, I think. I think the Internet has changed it in a good way. Yes. uh, Because it's given the access to information and the ability to take action and learn of issues, you know, instantly. Uh, But I do sort of see that um, the the movement has changed in the sense that I think it used to include a lot more meaningful local activism, like boycotts and marches and more hands-on stuff. And that's been replaced, I think, by uh, these massive petition drives and the social media campaigns. And those can be very effective. But, um, but I, am, I do see an unfortunate tendency by decision makers to ignore these, these massively generated feedbacks, right. um, such as these email campaigns. And I think that that is really wrong. Uh, because each person's email says generally the same thing doesn't mean they should be ignored. Right. It's Real because people. they, yeah, they they wouldn't have signed it or exactly. pushed the button if they didn't think. You know, I wanted to bring up to you because I think you'll get a big kick out of this. Um, back in, uh, oh, I hate to even tell you, but in the in the seventies, um, I lived in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was putting my ex through medical school, and I was a, a baby then, but um, there there was a consumer action agency right in town, and here we were, we had one car, he took his bicycle to the medical school, and I drove, and I was teaching, and I was, and my car brought a new car that we put our money together, scraped together, um, it, it broke down, and there were, they told me in Charlottesville, oh, you're going to have to be without a car for X, you know, two months, and you're going to have to rent a car and pay for it yourself. Well, I thought I wasn't a lawyer then, but I wasn't a dummy either. And I said, this is crazy. And I saw this consumer action agency in, in town. And so I talked to them, and they were so wonderful. Talked to them on the phone. I even went over there, and they talked to the lo- local en- agency. And not only did they get me a rental car for free, but they got the thing speeded up so I'd have my car back. And I felt so indebted that um, I spent two nights a week on the phone volunteering <laughs> as a consumer action person um, because my husband was, you know, on call all the time. And I thought, you know, I didn't have any kids at that time. I said, you know, I'm going to give back. And I did. And I think that's what actually led me to go back to law school. <laughs> that's an awesome story. I love it. Yeah. they were yeah, so- Because it really shows the impact that individuals can have, you know, by volunteerism and also yeah. by taking a stand. Yeah, and I just really, and they don't even have one here in um, Orange County. I think they may have one in L.A., but it's, you know, they really, I think when you were talking about that that's missing, I think it's huge because we used to help, like, people who had a problem with local retailers and stuff. Instead of, like, having a lawsuit, we I would just call up and say, gee, you know, uh, Linda, Sherry called up and she has this problem, and what do you want to do about it? Because then we had a newsletter, <laughs> 
And that newsletter would say, oh, this, you know, this retailer wouldn't help us or this retailer Mm -hmm. solved this in a day, you know. (laughs) Exactly. It had a lot of power. It's true. And I think that if we could take that sort of those activities and that power to the social media, which many people do successfully, um, I'm always kind of I'm mystified sometimes what takes off and what doesn't, you know, what goes viral and what doesn't. Yeah. So it's kind of a, um, an experimentation thing uh, with consumer advocates. You have to figure out which, which issues are really the hot-button issues, which issues are going to get people moving and which aren't. Um, one thing I wanted to say about our Take Action um, Center is it does allow you to write on whatever you want to write. So there's a section where you just go and you can write to your lawmakers, both state and um, federal lawmakers, on anything you want. And we don't monitor it. I don't get a copy of it. It's all just there for people to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, I'm continually promoting that, but I, I think very few people actually find their way to it, believe it or not. I don't know why, but um, but it's there and it's free, and I think, um, you know, people should take advantage of it if they want to. Yeah, sometimes it's not, I mean, sometimes when we have something on our websites, it seems so easy to find to us, but yeah. it, it does. it's not clear to the consumer exactly. exactly what it is. So maybe, you know, like a question like, do you have a concern in your local community that, you know, yeah. you'd like us to address or something? Thing. Here, right here, push the button or something like that. <laughs> sure. Buttons but, are great. Buttons yeah. are great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... People uh, leave busy, busy lives. The technology is always on. Um, you know, we, 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 we have a lot of things in front of us, yes. flashing and, and dinging and the rest of it. So <laughs> I understand. <laughs> no, but I just honor all the wonderful work that you're doing, and I really appreciate your website. So we're just about out of time so if you would give your website again and uh, Linda Sherry and we will we really are grateful for you doing all the great work that you do as director of national priorities at consumer action so please give your website and it's time to go okay we're at um, consumer-action.org sometimes people ask me if that's a hyphen it's not it's a dash so consumer dash action.org and if anyone would like to write to me about anything that they've heard here today they can reach me off of the website or at editor at consumer dash action.org that's a public email well you are wonderful linda we sure appreciate it and we will talk again okay thanks so much thank you for all your wonderful work mari okay take care bye-bye bye bye The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.